0: Alright, SC podcast number two, Shiloh in the house. Okay, Uh, great to have Shiloh in the house today. Uh, This is going to be a great podcast for young athletes. Um, Just a little background on Shiloh, one of the best athletes to come out of the area. Um, Done a lot of great things in his career, doing a lot of great things in his life now. But um, just going to hit on a lot of stuff for these young athletes out here, what it takes uh, to become a pro player. And just to transition off to baseball, uh give his story and a background on it. So Shiloh, welcome. Thanks for having me, ma'am. I'm real excited for this. I've yeah. been excited for it.
1: Even when we first started talking about it and it hadn't hadn't turned into anything. I know it's only the second podcast, but as soon as you mentioned, dude, I want to do a podcast, I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> I, I just like with all that all the other stuff that's happened, I knew you get that weird feeling in your stomach and
0: Just go for it. Yeah, we did, man. We just pulled the trigger. Uh, The first one with Don was great. Uh, We're going to hit on a lot of good subjects on this podcast. not going to just be baseball. We're going to hit on a lot of good subjects about life and just about, yeah, everyday life and performance in life. Uh, It's really going to be a good message and I'm really excited to get the word out and the story out about a lot of people in this town. So, let's tell everyone about your story, man. So, just hit on your childhood a little bit. where you grew up, the biggest influences early in your career. Uh, and just tell the viewers a little bit uh, about your childhood and you know we'll just go through the whole story here. Sure. Well, I moved to Farmington
1: right before my fifth birthday. I was born, born in Laramie, Wyoming, but moved here. Uh, didn't, know, didn't know anybody here, but started young just like everybody does playing sports. I played baseball, basketball, and football growing up. Um, and just love competing, love getting out there with my friends, obviously. is That's the reason I, I, I really did it. But uh, came through, went to Heights Middle School here, and Mesa View, and then went to PV. And that's when, when things really started getting interesting as far as sports-wise, really uh, narrowed it down, started getting serious there. And uh, after high school, obviously, um, I'm sure as a lot of people know, I was lucky enough to be drafted. Uh, by the Giants played uh, four four full seasons with them until 2016 and then was was released and um, floated around a little bit actually went up to Oregon for a year Um, (laughs) funny story that's that might be for another another day but went up to Oregon for a year to uh, trying to find myself I'm sure we'll get into that at some point too Um, didn't know what what the heck was going on I was just freshly released but um, long story short that ended up not being for me it was a great thing but it, it wasn't uh, wasn't for me and I realized up there how much this area meant to me the four corners how much the people here meant to me and that's ever since then kind of it's kind of funny I didn't know what I was gonna do when I came back here but it started with one piece of the puzzle or one brick in the wall and then the next and the next and it's all kind of fallen into place and and I'm and I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I know this community. They you know they, they supported me growing up and now I'm ready to to give back and, and really help this place. Well let's go back to the athlete stuff
0: early on. So you just said high school was when sports really got serious. So I know we've had this conversation and we met each other when we were fourteen you were fourteen and I had just moved here. And we've had so many conversations over the year. We've done so many workouts together, but you say when you got to high school and I remember this exact story and I want young athletes to hear this because kids out there have got to know that when Shiloh was in high school, there was no one that had a work ethic better than this kid. And of all the athletes in this town that have come through this town, he is probably still the freakiest natural athlete to come out of this area through the history that I've been here and maybe ever and some especially on strength stuff and conditioning stuff and just in the weight room is where you were just second to none but I remember this story and we all have these people that come in our lives that will raise us to another level so let's bring up Shane Woodson okay so I know we've had this talk but I know back and Shane is your brother He's one of the family, and he was a huge influence on the strike zone, you, a part of the early years. But I'll never forget this story that you told me, is that when Shane told you at 14 years old or 13 that, he could do more push-ups than you. No, not even that.
1: I'll, I'll tell you how. I'll, right. be, I'll just straight up say I just it. want to hit on this. And, and number one, I want to say that we're getting this out the closet. Shane, I've never told Shane this. He doesn't know. I think he <laughs> knows deep down how big of an influence he was. and well, cause I think
0: Shane on the other side would know. You probably had the same effect on him. Yeah. But, yeah, just go ahead and tell the story,
1: man. It's great stuff. So, number one, love you, Shane. So, uh, I know you're going to end up listening to this somehow. But... It was seventh grade football at heights middle school and shane and i were both on the varsity they called it team but all that meant is you're playing with the eighth graders um we were big and strong and and could easily hold our own with them and i forget there are these a set of twins shane probably remembers the names of them um, but one of them came up to us He was like dang Cause shane and i were best friends we would always you know even and during practice we'd hang out right next to each other he came up to us and he's and he says, "Dang, you guys are like super freaks." He said something, and he goes, "Which one of you guys is stronger? Let me see." And Shane throws up his bicep, like he's flexing. The his way bicep. Yeah. The way Shane does. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Let's see who's strong. Let's see who's got bigger arms. Who's stronger?" And and of course, you know, how things go, Shane's like, "Oh, me, me," and he's look like my. I don't know if he said, "Look, my bicep's bigger," but we we compare biceps. <laughs> And for some reason, because that's how strong... Uh, I think there's a lot of people in the world who think that that's a true measure of yeah. strength yeah, when they're looking in the mirror doing the curls. But... And and whether or not he was at that exact moment, I don't know. But from, I, that was that was like the turning point that pissed me off. Because obviously, you know, still he's my best friend on, on earth at that point. And I, I, I couldn't stand being beaten or you know having him being stronger than me so what I did literally from that moment on I did push-ups and sit-ups every night and not not just like like I started doing them here and there it was it was like it may as well have been my religion um I started off. I don't know how many push-ups I would do. I mean, maybe it was 50. I worked my way up, where every night I did at least one set of push-ups. Sometimes I did more, and as many sit-ups as I could do because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't stand, couldn't stand being being beaten like that, or even. I, I just didn't want people to think that. So, and when I say I did them every day, it, it was even in the summer when we did baseball, went to baseball tournaments. This lasted years. This lasted until. Um, so we were probably 12, 13 years old. This lasted until I was 14 years old and, and in high school, like halfway through my senior year when we started lifting weights and I got real real sore and didn't want to do push-ups anymore. But I remember being on the road, I got picked up by a team from Gallup, New Mexico and we went to Steamboat, Colorado. And I didn't know any of these guys, uh, only a couple of them. And there was a bunch of us in a room and whatnot and I, I remember going into the bathroom, <laughs> locking myself in the bathroom at night All these dudes are in there being a bunch of doing a bunch of shenanigans that that hooligan thirteen-year-old kids do, and I had push-ups in the bathroom, Um, and and I didn't I didn't do it because I I wanted you know it was all looking back it was all for the right reasons because I wanted to be better it wasn't because I wanted to have big biceps it was because I just I wanted to be the best the best me I think it was and it's not like I was trying to show up Shane or anything like that Um, it was just that that is what that was a spark that, that lit, lit that fire it really was and
0: that's what I think man like I just listened to that story and I mean we've gone and done so many workouts together and crushed each other and gone to that level so many times but young athletes today that I see they don't surround themselves with the kids that make them feel like that see when you're an alpha and an alpha you get uncomfortable around that person you know why because it takes you to a level mm-hmm. that you, you don't want to go to because it's hard and Shane, was that for you. I've had people in my life that have got me to that level. But how many times do we even just hang around the people that make us feel comfortable? That, hey, man, it's everything's okay. They don't challenge you where it's like they call you in the morning. Like those people that Goggins talks about and all this, the people that wake up in the morning like, no, you're going to be better today. I'm going to push you to this level. And it's uncomfortable. But look at the mentality that created I remember watching you as a 15 or 16 year old kid power clean 330 uh, and it was just ripping it off the ground I had the chance to watch you later on bench press 400 pounds I got to spot you on that I've seen you deadlift 600 pounds and I know the genetics come into play you know that that's definitely you've been blessed with genetics but it all started with push-ups wanting to be better than Shane, it all started with a mentality that carried through, and then, how many, that, what was it, four years after that, you're a San Francisco Giant, Mm -hmm. player of the year in New Mexico, you did so many great things through high school, because you had that mentality, now, let's talk a little bit about your high school career, because I know it's one of the best, best high school careers that I've seen, you know, come out of this town in a long time, and you did a lot of great things back then, and You know, it's something you should be really proud of. I mean, let's just talk about that. It's Connie Mackwell's Series Week. I talked with Dom the other day. Talk about just the experience playing at PV, winning all those state titles, coming in and doing all those winning camps at the strike zone, and playing for the Cardinals, and just how much you really, really enjoyed that part of your journey now. And how much you respect that part of your journey. But just growing up in this town, playing PV and Coney Mac, just hit on a little bit about how much that means to you today. Well,
1: it's who I am, honestly. But you talk about surrounding yourself with alpha males. It's not like I had a choice going into high school. Because I, we, were, we were really lucky. We had a whole pack of alpha males. <laughs>
0: it, was, it was crazy. That era was... I, it, that era was special and I didn't realize how special until it was gone and then you go through different journeys but to get that that timing and that everything was just right back then and I cherish those moments because it was so many kids on one purpose that it's going to be hard to get a group of kids like that to come through again but I mean we just had
1: a group of dudes who wanted to be better and it, it was a really good. There was a really good mix of. God, we all hated losing. We were all so competitive. We were that. I mean, you you want to talk about competing in anything? I you know, we come in here and you and Morgan and me and we're doing handstand walks. Remember that? Just stupid little things. Any little thing we're doing. Every
0: single thing, we did not want to lose yeah. to the other one. And it me. wasn't like a bad.
1: It wasn't a bad environment where we had a bunch of tool bags who, when you win, they rub in your face. Or, of course, when some of us (laughs) lost, we got real salty, real upset about some things. But we all loved each other. I'll tell you that. There's a brotherhood. There's a reason in my – and it's actually, this is happening in a week. Um, All my friends, still to this day, once a year, we get together. There's going to be nine or ten of us. We get together and we go camping. A guy's trip, we call it. Um, but it's it's cool. We pick. It's one of those things you you see you see these guys and you haven't seen them for a year, but it picks up, right right where you left off. And a huge reason, a huge backbone of that is because of our mentality, and it's because of of sports. It's because of competition that drove us. That that was the 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 mortar in between the cement that that really, or in between the bricks that brought us together. And and that being said, you let's go back, and we kind of got down on the rabbit hole there. In high school, um, you know, we we wanted to win the first state championship ever in PV's history. That from a young age, I remember being in eighth grade talking about that with Shane, Cody Skajari, all my buddies who I who I grew up playing with. We that for some reason it was like we already knew we were going to do that. But it hadn't happened. I mean, it was it was something we talked about, and I don't hear kids talking about that as much any anymore. They're, they're more worried about Fortnite or other you know stupid stuff like that. But we, it, it, looking back, it's like we it's one of those weird things that once you get closure on it and, and time goes by, you understand a lot better. But it's like we we dreamed about it, but once we started talking about it, it's like okay, like we know this is going to happen. Even talking about the Connie Mack Series, we talked about playing in it how cool would it be to do this oh yeah how cool to be to hit a home run in the connie World series this and that well you know what most of us ended up doing that stuff and and i thought it was it was just at the time you don't you don't understand it man but it's because we drove each other it's because we were there to, to, to feed off each other and and there's that such a good mentality I mean one day someone would raise the bar the next day somebody else would yeah. like one day you know uh, I it was me raising the bar the next day it was Shane I remember there were days Ian Dowdy too little little let me throw him a little credit that kid that kid was was an idiot because he would push himself he hated losing more than anybody and he he I remember going to war with that kid in the weight room we're running and this and that he yeah, just wouldn't crazy things he wouldn't give up and yeah. I, there were times I thought oh my god this kid's gonna get me today and and I I don't know it's it, it was it was fun man and I I, I know you Magaha will be on on the podcast soon big hats off to him because he brought that out he was I mean obviously we had a, a really strong group um as it was but in high school he he had this really good cutthroat mentality where that didn't allow us to kind of get sidetracked he didn't allow us to feed into our own bs as soon as we started thinking we were we were, we we're good i mean he just cut us down in in, in a good way when you're a, none of us are super arrogant but when you think you're you're a, a badass 16 year old he he brought he, he brought the reins in and that was a big part of it as well that's where because we were a really selfless group as well uh growing up playing and that's that's really that translated that's one of the things that was really hard for me playing pro ball was it's such a selfish sport selfish 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 i mean all it's all performance driven um and that that i don't know if it i don't know if it hurt me i just didn't like that part of it that that part of professional baseball is is not
0: not well, let's uh, let's go. So, we're you know, we're, we're going down the line here. It's good just to hear just what got you to to the pro level. It, it, people don't understand how hard it is. And, you know, I signed my first professional contract at 15. But people don't know how hard it is, is to get to be signed and drafted as a 17-year-old. A lot of work goes into that. But then when you go into Pro Bowl, it's a completely different animal. So... Let's just talk about that for a second. Let's talk about you were going to Arkansas, and then the Giants came forward. Uh, let's talk about your decision to go to Pro Bowl over to go to Arkansas, and then we'll dive into what <laughs> happened in the pro game, the biggest shift mentally, and just everything that happened at that part of your life. So let's just talk about you know, Connie Mack World Series. I remember there, Arkansas all over here. The Giants, it's, it's that time of the year. And then uh, the the following year comes around, and then you sign with the Giants. And then uh, let's talk about that. Why you know why you went to Pro Bowl over college? It's a big thing with kids today. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have to make these decisions, and a lot of people don't get to hear it or talk about it. You're a prime example. You signed to go in to Pro Bowl at 17 instead of going to college. Let's uh, let's hear about the about that part of the journey. Well, this is this is something I'm
1: really passionate about this decision because. Obviously, um, you know, Jake McCaslin was drafted out of high school as well, didn't take it, and then I was lucky enough, he was drafted, um, later on by the Giants, and he and I were roommates, and and he he talks about not signing out of high school is one of his biggest regrets, um, and the way I see it, man, to be honest, even the day of the draft, I had no idea if I wanted to go pro or go, go to Arkansas, um... It was one of those those weird moments where it is uh, you can call it a gut moment, you can call it. I think it was God just just kind of forced he was one time I think God just gave me a little a little nudge in the right direction cuz that day that's funny Shane and I were hanging out all day that day. It was just he and I. Um and, you know, you have your your it's not the eight your it's your agent in high school. He's not He's your advisor, they Our call. Advisor, it. Yeah, yeah, all that political stuff because yeah, all
0: the BS that makes you think that you're great. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he's telling you, oh yeah, the the, the Diamondbacks, oh, are yeah, you, you could go yep. to top three rounds or this and that. Well, what, yeah. how much money do you want? Well,
0: car we, salesman. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Um, well, the, I I was expecting to go. Over Hopefully the fifth round, and, and my agent or advisor at the time says, sometimes you can go ahead, sometimes you can go below that. So I'm hanging out with Shane all day that day. i will just – we'll just – may as well get this out there. And this this is what led to, to that decision of me going to pro ball. But, you know, fourth round comes, nothing. Fifth round, I'm, I'm really hopeful, nothing. Sixth round, I get a call, hey, you know, keep your uh, – be ready. I think something's coming. Nothing. Seventh round. The Diamondbacks call, and or I call, talk to my agent. Hey, Shao, they're gonna. They want you for this much money. And it was, it was. It, looking back, I, I was a 17 year old kid who had the opportunity to sign. You know, a lot. There's a lot of money, and I didn't understand it at the time. And I, I turned it down. I said, No, we, we, we wanted. I wanted. We said we we're gonna get this much money. No, I don't want that. And I remember. There came a moment where I was like, "Oh my God, what did you just do?" Like the seven and that was set, with the Diamondbacks. That was with the Diamondbacks, yeah. And I, I said, "What are you?" I had a real like a like a oh crap moment where it was like, "Do you realize what just happened?" And this is still while the draft's going on, and I said, "You just got offered a ridiculous amount of money." to do what you always have dreamed about. And and I was so sad, so you know what I did? I, I was sad, so I, as weird as it sounds, I hopped in the bathtub. I took a bath and I was just thinking, I was like, oh God, what did I do? And 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 all of a sudden I get a call in the eighth round and my agent says, Shiloh, Giants, eighth round, this much. And it I didn't even, it was like autopilot. It was like, yep, let's do it, boom. And I remember sitting there, like, what, what just happened? It was one of those those moments, those clarity moments. Like, I don't think I heard a noise. It was just life, just it changes, right? Tunnel, there. tunnel vision. It was like, new oh my god, what did I just do? And I and, and I know I, there was a it was a good thing that I didn't take it in the seventh round, or I don't know it all led to the Giants, which I'm I'm really grateful for what what they did for me, and I was drafted by them. But I had a moment where it was like, you are the biggest idiot. In the world, you you, well, you had your dream right there to play professional baseball. And you got offered a lot of buttload of money to do it. And, and you turn it down like, what in the heck? And thank, thank God the next round the Giants called. And I didn't even know the Giants were really interested in me at this point. I thought it was – there's three or four other teams I thought were more interested. And that was one of those moments where I think that had to happen, of course, for me to just
0: – Well, let me ask you know. this. I'm just going to hit on this because it just listen to your talk right there. If you had, if that was your choice, just on you with no advisor, do you take the Diamondbacks money? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what I'm saying with advisors and stuff, man. It's like, it, they just they're in it for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, you have put all this work into your life, and you've done all this, and they're telling you this, 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 and then it's just, it's crazy. It's it's really weird. It's a weird. It's a really weird thing, man, because.
1: Say you go to a, a, a twelve-year-old right now who's working hard and whatnot, and you say, "Hey, man, what would you give to play professional baseball?" And they would say anything. Well, what would you sign for? And they don't care. Give them a ketchup packet; <clears throat> they'll sign for. They'll sign to play professional baseball. But as soon as you are in that moment, and you get those whispers in your ear from from the agents, from from other coaches, or right. this and that, hey, you are this good, or oh, this guy got this much money last year. You are worth this. It's, it, it starts playing those mind games, and then. It's funny. One, you're in it. You have those. It's, it's. like a little greed monkey that's on your shoulder. It's. You start really playing into it. And then after the fact, I have buddies like I remember Morgan McCaslin. W- w- would <laughs> we were talking about it later on, and he was like, "Dude, I would have signed for a dang hamburger after the fact too, because it's just before and after. You're like, man, give me, give me anything. But in the moment when it's right there in, in
0: your grasp, it's just like,
1: it, it's weird, and you take it for granted almost.
0: Yeah, you do, man. Like I did the same thing playing. Like it's we always become experts after the fact. Like no Mm -hmm. one thinks. I always used to get down on myself for stuff I did that I was like 21 and stuff like that. But when I was in that mode back then, I didn't know any better. I was just a so much different person. So just to expand on this, man, you sign with the Giants now. I had this same gut check moment and the same mountain to climb. You went into the same lifestyle. <laughs> and listen, just talking about what you just said. When I was in Australia at the time, I was a, like, one of the number one players for my age in the country. Played in world championships, done all that. Everyone, advisors, scouts, school, everyone put me up on a pedestal and told me how great I was. Hmm. And I remember flying all the way to the States. I left home two weeks into my senior year of high school, I was 17. And I left home with two suitcases and I flew to the States. And I'd been at home just, you know, everyone put me on this pedestal and my head couldn't even fit through the door. Everyone was telling you how good you were. And that'd be my whole life playing baseball. Like that's, people put you on this pedestal just like you said. and then ego becomes involved. But I'll never forget this moment going into Pro Bowl. I fly all the way over. I don't know a single person in this entire country. Like, I remember sitting at San Francisco Airport looking at the runway as a 17-year-old kid going, I don't know a single person in this country. And I flew to Phoenix, and they pick me up on this, this white van. And they drive me to Mesa, Arizona to Fitch Park. And I get out there, and they take me to the spring training complex. And there's 160 players there. And I walk in, not one person cared that I was there. Mm -hmm. No one cared what everyone was telling me at home. Everyone that had put me on a pedestal, no one cared. They showed me my locker, took me out on the field and said, here. And it was that gut check moment. What are you going to do now? But the foundation for me was when that gut check came, I was ready. You know, and we've talked about this, man. We've talked about this transition. I want to hit on this subject because it's very important for athletes to hear today. See, and this what we're gonna hit on right now happened to me ten years later. See, and we both went through it and we've gone through it, but I talked about this with Dom. Every athlete goes through this phase. And the reason I want to hit on this on the podcast is because I've lost teammates over this to suicide. I've lost seen people just go through serious depression and bouts with alcohol and just serious stuff and i really want to bring light to this subject of just the transition of going into pro ball dealing with that mentally the stuff you went through throwing it all on the table like this is the thing about this podcast being honest like i'm i want to get it out there so people can hear and understand this is what athletes go through and it's okay not everyone makes it to the big leagues Everyone has different stories and goes through stuff, but when that gut check comes after the game and you have to make that transition, I just want to hear, hear about your transition going into Pro Bowl, your Pro Bowl experience, and then transitioning out into the real world. Because this is a subject, I swear, I, people need to hear because it's big in sports today because we do get put up on that pedestal. When people put you up on that pedestal, it sets you up for failure. Like, people liked me because I was a professional baseball player. As soon as I wasn't a professional anymore, people treated me different. They didn't look at me the same because they didn't like Adam for Adam. They liked Adam, the pro baseball player. Well, they wanted
1: to be Ride Your Coattails in case, you were a, in case you were the next Ken Griffey Jr., right. who, who was a 10-time All-Star. Right. Oh, I know that guy. And once you're, you're a Joe Schmo, regular civilian again... Oh, but those, people, those people vanish. So they don't, yeah, there's people you don't hear from ever again. Right. From the moment I was done playing baseball, there's people who would, would every time I saw them, they were my best friend in the world. Now they're just they're just shadows. They're, so
0: let's just talk about that and think about you know how to deal with that. Like that's something when you lose who you are as a person, you know, and you're being put up on this pedestal as Shiloh the baseball player, Adam the baseball player, and then baseball is gone and pro Bowl wasn't what you, you didn't reach your dreams in pro Bowl. we didn't accomplish the goal and then it's gone and then people leave and people treat you different and you go through a phase there man and you know we've talked about this endless hours together and I'm it's glad we get it on the air so other people can hear it but just tell your story with that man get it out there tell everyone what it was like and the experience of it man because these athletes need to hear this today well it's 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 apparent in a lot more
1: ways nowadays than than just sports, and I'm just going to tie it in real quick. Real quick, I'm going to relate it to social media. Why do you think so many people want to have this many followers or, or get this many likes on a, on a on a post on Instagram? Because it makes them feel special. They think that if they can get a hundred likes, a thousand followers, this on Insta, on anything, that they're special. Well, you know what? If there's one thing I've learned during play, during baseball and since. Nobody's special. I'll tell you that man. I mean and, and of course you and I have, have have hit on that ridiculous amount of time just you and I talking like if these walls here in Strike zone could talk but you are you number one you go through that gut check moment when you when you show up to play baseball um, professionally it's you don't know a single soul. It's like all right I gotta the one thing you do know is baseball. Thank God, uh, you and I both knew that because that was that was what saved me. Is when I was on the field, I hated the moments in between baseball, which is really weird. Because by the end of my career, it was almost it almost turned opposite. Where man, I would I almost the showing up to the field was tough. Yeah. But 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 putting let's let's hit on on when you're put on a pedestal when you're playing in front of thousands of people a night, and and people wanting your autograph after the game and want you to meet their kid and you really get this false ego where it's like man i'm a good person people really do like me oh man i'm so cool i'm i'm you know and and it's and then and and then and then it's all gone it's taken away from you in a moment like when you when you get that call shiloh follow me and you and you know it's the axe man has come and your your day's here and it's over before you know it like i remember i went to the office to get released and it was I, i couldn't tell you I mean, it was just, it was all like slow motion, but super fast at the same time. And it was, I remember leaving the office and just, it was done. You couldn't believe it that who you were when I was released, what I'd spent from the time, pretty much, I started working hard because of Shane yep. doing the push-ups to then that was what? Seven. No, I was more than that. That was over 10 years in the making. All that
0: was, to tell was gone. You, and to tell you your dreams of all Yeah. And I mean that's like you said. That's ten like it's a lifetime of work. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, yeah, you I'm think, you, you think
1: you're this baseball player. You think you're going to be. You think you're somebody. You think you're going to make it to the big leagues and everyone's going to know your name and scream your name. And but then all of a sudden it's just like okay, no, nobody cares about you. You're a number. You're you're you are your batting average, your fielding percentage, your RBIs. That's all you are in, in the in the organization with whoever you're playing with. And when that's taken away, man, it's it's a sobering feeling because you build all yourself up to be this baseball player, and it almost feels like all that was in vain. It almost felt like it was for nothing. Which at the time, like for the 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 year the year or two following that, it really did. There were time. I mean, it was it it became hard to work out. And and I mean, if, if there's anybody on earth who knows how much working out means to me and how what it is, it's you because we've been to the trenches of hell and back through workouts, but. I, it's I. It was well, like, funny, like
0: even on that right there. You, you touch on this. It's funny because let's talk about this a little second. Just that part of the career is like one thing I learned from that part, and this helped me as a coach that you taught me was that I remember my lesson from you and what I got from your career and what helped me as a person was I wanted you to succeed so badly. But it was like, it put a strain on our relationship because God taught me right then, it wasn't about me and what it, it, he has, he had something to do with you and I was always pushing you and like this, and you know how it was, man. I held you to a high standard, man. And I think when it first ended, you had the remorse of like, man, you didn't know how to face me. We didn't talk. We didn't talk for about a year. Yeah. Because I think it was coming back to what we're talking about today. You based our relationship off you making it as a baseball player. And when you didn't make it like that, it was like you f- it was a failure. failed. You failed us. You failed everything. When it was like, it was never about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. We didn't talk for that year after all, You know, all that stuff happened. And you just got to go through that stage. But now we sit here today and we hang out like last week. We ran a 17 mile, freaking hundred mile, you know, hundred degree run together. It's not about baseball. It never was. And you know, this is what I'm glad Pro Ball taught me. And then you take this lesson from it now is that Pro Bowl was just an outlet for us to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. It was there to challenge us. It's there to throw obstacles at us. It's there to do this. It was never life. It was never life. It was just an outlet for that period of time for us, where God to use us to make us grow as a person. When you go through that and you go through everything you've gone through, and you go through that emotionally, like you just said, you got released. You're feeling that spot. Well, then all the people that you were around you and they're not talking to you. That just drills home the fact in your head of saying it drills home all those negative thoughts. You know what? yeah, you're worthless. Mm -hmm. You are worthless. Like, look, no one loves you anymore. No one cares. And I went through the same stuff, man. And I'm talking like serious depression, didn't know who I was, drank a lot, just darkness, 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 because baseball was who I was as a person. And it took a long time after that to learn and understand. And I think once I understood that I wasn't supposed to be in the big leagues for 10 to 20 years, you know? I made choices, I had to live with him and guess what? But I can sit here today and know that part of my journey was a huge foundation and stepping stone to what I can do today. And you just take now, take the qualities you learned from this game, the attitude, the work ethic, the this, this, this that's just going into another area of your life now you will never ever lose that foundation it'll go over into your business it'll go over into your family and that's a great place to be in because you kind of start figuring out who you are and it was never about the game the game was the outlet for us to learn and that's why you take the game today the way when we coach and we give back to the youth in this community by te- using the game to teach these kids about being men. And that's why I love being honest and telling the situations, because if re- I was talking to this about to with Joe last night, and it's like, you know, especially in our industry, like in what I do every day, I, I'm here to help people perform and be their best and be positive and stuff like that. So when people see that, they think we live these magical lives. That's not reality. The fact is, every day, I'm failing, you're failing, Grant's failing. Like We're all failing here, and life is going to kick you time and time again. But it's like that foundation from failing and failing and baseball and all the workouts and all this, when those kicks come, you can pick yourself up. You can go to the next thing. Guess what? You got released. See, this is the thing. How we always look at it from the negative. We think getting released is a bad thing. But what about this? You got released, found yourself, rebounded. Now look at your life now. You know, I know something crazy? I've
1: told you this. I think if I would have made it to the big leagues, right now, say I've been in the big leagues three years already, and this moment right now in time, I probably, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be as happy. As I am right now, if I was in the big leagues, because I know who I am, because I I, I feel like those failures, I were, I eventually well, learned. Stone yeah, they, learn. they were learning lessons right. exactly. They I I for a long time I viewed as I viewed them as failures. yes I viewed them as this big negative black cloud. But you know, it was in the inside of that black cloud was this just beam of light, and that's what that's And you what, think
0: like for me. I was an egotistical baseball player. How was God going to show his face to me? He wasn't going to show his face to me if I made it to the big league. Because you know what I would have done? Stuck my middle finger up in the air, (laughs) kept doing drugs, drinking, all that, and said, no. But you know what he had to do? He took the game away from me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Took it away. But that's how he cracked my shell. So who's to save us to play God and say, no, it was supposed to be this way. No, guess what? Taking the game from you was the way God broke your shell for you to find out who you are. So in the end, it's a blessing. But it's easier said than done right now. Because when you're going through that, it's like there is no step forward. Like You feel lost. You feel down and... Athletes feel this today, man, because they put so much time and effort into that. Then when it's taken its way, their self-worth is gone. And some people don't have that foundation to be able to bounce back. And guess what? Some people can't take it. Like they will kill themselves over not being that because they were put up on this mm-hmm. pedestal. And the ego is so powerful, you know, that it's just a crazy thing, you know, that happens with athletes, man. And, you know, it's, it's good just to sit here and know that people that can overcome that and transfer it over into other aspects of their life, man, is when you truly become happy and you you embrace the game for what it was and you can enjoy what you did as a player. Like, why do we get so caught up when we finish our career on everything we did wrong? When it's like, dude, my list of achievements of what I've done in my career outweighs what I've done bad tenfold. Yet I focus on the three bad things over here. And I can never give myself credit for the stuff I accomplished as a player over here. But now as I get older and I learn, I can sit back and really enjoy those periods and enjoy that time. And my biggest thing when I got out was I used to get so down on myself for making those terrible choices, drinking too much, like just partying stuff that I was just young and wild and I, I, you know, I'm older in life and stuff that happened 15 years ago, I'm still getting down on myself today. It's like something personally that I've had to like deal with, you know? And it's just a blessing when you can sit there and really look back on those past achievements and take them for the treasure they truly were and not hate, hate the game, you know? For a while after I finished playing, I didn't like the game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even watch an MLB game on TV for like three years. Remember, we had because I see, I see all the players I played with and they're all up there doing their thing. And I realized that the way my career went and I couldn't watch it for three years because I was stuck in that mode. But now I can watch baseball every day and enjoy the game for what it is and see it from coaching has really helped me. Coaching has really helped me because it makes you see the game from a different light and it doesn't become about you. It's always putting others first and trying to get that. So I really enjoy the coaching game of it, you know. That's something that has helped me as a person and helped me transition. And you've seen it, man. You've done a ton of camps in here. Being around the youth and the kids and just passing on the knowledge of life that you've learned. You know, and just now we're all here. We're in this community and we have this next generation coming through. And now it's our job to be leaders in our community. You know, I know you're going through the fire academy, trying to get into the fire department around here. Yep. Which, you know, I feel like all these players we played with back in the day, and now in this town, in different areas, in business, and we really can come together as a group and start doing some cool things with the same mindset we had as players. But now we're just influencing the community in different ways. And the game was our outlet to meet each other, you know. But the game doesn't last forever it was just something that brought us together and it was a good tool so yeah just understanding that fact man I, it's I, I cherish it today but getting there is, is a lot harder but for any young athletes out there like i said in this everyone thinks we live these perfect lives and hey you're a pro baseball player and this and that no one understands and talks about the dark side mhm that's the thing everyone we're in the, like you said it before the social media era you know I, t- I, I want people to know about the battle. I want people to know about the darkness because you can't always think, hey, everything's rosy and this and that. That is not the world we live in. God did not set up this planet for everything to go perfect every single day. But no one wants to face that or talk about, hey, I failed. I failed. I didn't even want to do it when I first happened. You didn't. Mm-mm. You stayed in Oregon. Yeah. I ran from it. Exactly. You don't want to face it. But it's like, you know what? What's to be scared of? Why was that fear there? We shouldn't be scared of anything that's happened to us because it's turned us into who we are today. But we never looked at ourselves from the inside. We were always looking for the outside to give us that satisfaction. We had to perform in base. like... I remember dealing, I, I remember dealing this, and you can ask my wife this, my happiness was dictated by my performance in a game. Batting, you your batting average pretty much. Like I laughed the other day at this. I would love to see how much time in my life I have wasted taking dry hacks <laughs> in hotels in front of, in front of, front of the mirror <laughs> all night long.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Psychotic. Like, my whole life was dictated, did I play good that day? And, like, just a raven mess. Like, so much pressure on yourself, you know? Just all that stuff, man. It was just some of the experiences you go through as an athlete, man. It's crazy, but it's real. No matter what sport you are, no matter where you are, who you are, you deal with this stuff, you know? And I love hearing the side of, like, the failure side like kids today need to understand if you're going to play sports you're going to fail but it's how you handle that failure and how you and that will dictate the final subject you know but kids today they don't want to fail why It's because dude this makes me laugh and i'm going to hit on this because it absolutely kills me before you hit on that, I want to kind of talk about, like, the foundation stuff. and like, Grant
1: Bessie, everybody.
2: <laughs> a little bit about, like... <laughs> Dynamite my...
0: dropping, Grant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little bit about, like, me and, like, these two guys right here obviously have had, like, a really good foundation as far as, like, being competitive and stuff. And, like, I didn't grow up with that foundation. And so when I hit eighth grade in high school and stuff, like, these guys got me to where my peak was, which was my eighth grade year. And uh, it was it was surrounding myself with the people that that continued to push me to be competitive and stuff like that. And a thing that's that really is missing is like I've been blessed to see what it takes to become professional athletes. From Shiloh coming in and working out and pu- pulling like five hundred plus pounds deadlifting to Jake coming in every single morning writing down his workouts and stuff. Anyone can be at their peak performance and whatever they want to do but they have to understand that it takes like an extreme amount of discipline and dedication to what you want your dream to be and if you don't know what that is or you don't have that foundation you have to surround yourself with savages and like these two dudes are are savages Adams took me on some adventures of like running a marathon with no training and <laughs> I go out there and it's 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 crazy man but like if you really want to do that you you have to go to a deep dark place I remember I was six miles in on that marathon, like crying, it's snowing. I'm crying. I'm like, I'm going to call my buddy to come and pick me up. But then you, you get past that voice and all of a sudden you're, you're finishing a marathon in the snow and it's five hours later. And you're like, never would have dreamed of doing that, but you're never going to get to that place either. If you don't have the people that are, that are pushing you. And in Shiloh's sense, it was Shane and in Adam's sense, it was his parents when they made him go do all that stuff. And just, I think all of us kind of, pushing him and he talked about
0: shiloh and stuff
2: like that and iron sharpens iron Iron sharpens iron is
0: the sc motto like that is how we need to be every single day and the reason i have that at the strike zone we put it on the strike zone shirt is because of the battle like you have you know the battle's coming why wouldn't you want to have the best team around you like if i know the battle's coming i need to be around people that are making me at my best you're at your best so why wouldn't we surround ourselves with those type of people? And that's, that's how every day we're staying sharp and you're pushing people to that level. You have like Shane, those people that make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and that's iron sharpens iron right there, you know, that's why we put that on there. And I just
1: love that term. Well, you know, it gets me and Grant just hit it how he's six miles in and it's, he's crying it's the worst pain of his of of his life and i can i can i can uh, relate to that during the the last run you and i did when it was super hot you go through so many battles during it and you know it's the worst thing ever but when you finish whatever it is and it it doesn't have to be a 15 or a 17 mile run or a marathon but we know the glory that comes with overcoming that whatever that obstacle is this is all it is and but why do we run
0: from that because because it's fear it's all it is, it's, it's fear. It doesn't matter if you're six miles in, it doesn't matter if you're 16 miles in. When we did that heat run the other day, it's like everything overloads you. That's why I do the ultra running because you gotta put yourself in those moments. That's the, you have to face the fear. How do you get comfortable at facing fear if you never put yourself in those moments? Whether you're up in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded with 10,000 people watching, can you get it done? when you're six miles in and there's a blizzard and there's no light out there and you know the 20 miles that way is your destination do you go right or do you turn around fear controls everyone these days we have grown up in our era today that we have been programmed with fear whether it's fear of poverty whether it's fear of failure no matter what it is and the fact is fear is not from God it's not faith is the opposite of fear but how many times do we turn around when we see that fear? You felt it? When you're on the edge of a plane at 14,000 feet and you are terrified. Oh, man. You have to let go. And then guess what? It was all an illusion. How many times do you not take that next step because you're scared? It's, it's Peter stepping off the boat. When Jesus says there's a storm, take a step. Do you believe me? Do you have faith? Take a step off the boat. How many times do we not take that step because we want to be in control? The fact is, we have no control. When it's all said and done, we have no control. And you want to know how I learned that? It's because through Gracie. Epilepsy taught me that, man. Because I remember when she was having her worst seizure of her life and she quit breathing. I remember looking at her and looking at Joe And understanding there is nothing I can do right now. didn't matter that I played baseball. It didn't matter that I worked out this morning. It didn't matter if I ran this or who I thought I was. I could not do anything to help my daughter at that time. You know the one thing I had? Prayer. God, please save my daughter. That's it. So when you're stripped of everything, the one thing you do have is prayer, is faith. But I had to be stripped to the bone with my daughter going through a 45-minute grandma seizure for God to strip me away of everything to understand that fact. You know, and that's, it's crazy to think that you could sit here and say, man, I understand that now, but I wouldn't want anyone to go through watching their daughter go through that to understand that lesson, you know? But now I look at Gracie and this, the way God's story shines through my daughter, like I witness it, and I'm like, there's a power there that is so much bigger than me, and everyone else this whole story is not about Adam anymore it's not about yourself since I quit playing baseball when I played baseball you know who it was for Adam mm-hmm. it wasn't for anyone else it was about me I want to make money I want to do this I want to do that and now after going through everything bad and going through all the stuff I've gone through with grace and my family and not playing and doing that I, I it's not there anymore it, you know, it, the game had to rip me away for me to find out who I was. And I can say that now at 38. At 27, I didn't understand it. But when you're stripped away to anything, man, when you're stripped away of everything, that's all you have, man. You know, and faith is truly just going for it. Me and Grant talked about this last week. Perfect example fear, the podcast. How many times do people talk about it or we talked about it and said, yeah, we should do a podcast, man. We should do this. But we never do it because it's a fear. What if it sounds bad? What if people don't like it? Oh, what if this happens? What is this? Instead of just going, you know what? Let's jump off the cliff and find out. Bash at the beach, man. Four months to plan that event. Everyone telling you, oh, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, do you believe or not? But I'll tell you what, if you make a commitment to something, let me just tell the listeners this or any young athlete this and anyone that wants to accomplish anything, just understand this. When you commit yourself to something like that, be prepared for fear to show up like a 10-ton boulder rolling down the hill. Fear if you say, you know what, I'm gonna run a hundred miles. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the big leagues or you know what? I want to be a big leaguer. I'm going to start doing that being a 14-year-old kid. Guess what? You are going to be getting kicked in the face with fear every single day telling you you can't do it. You're going to have people come up to you on the street and tell you it's a crappy idea. It sucks. You can't do that. You can't do this. But do you stay true to the vision that God's given you inside? Or do you allow the outside world to control you? Mm -hmm. And that's you. This is where we have to teach kids today. Look within. The light is within you. Look within. Learn who you are. Because in today's world, kids are looking everywhere else. And we're looking everywhere else for everything else to tell us who we are. Let me get on social media. Let, let all these people tell me that I'm loved and doing this instead of no. Shut your phone off. Go for a freaking walk out in the country for three hours. No headphones. And spend some time with yourself. If you can do that, you understand who you are. You know, when I was in baseball, man, it was always getting it from outside. I needed people to tell me I was doing good. I was a people pleaser. I needed people to tell me that I was doing good, and I looked for it, not understanding that. I didn't know who the hell I was. You know, and I, I cherish that today, man, because when, I remember when me and Grant did the Sandia Peak, man, we, we were coaching... We just had a great talk going up, and Grant was really honest with me that day, and I really, really appreciated it because we were talking about his era and my era. See, in my era, I didn't grow up in the cell phone era, so I did everything on my own. Whereas, like, if you had to train, you had to go do it, you know. So it's just like today, I can go train by myself. Well, you know, if Grant let his emotions get the best of him there, he would have lied and said, "Yeah, I can do that." But he gave me the most honest response that I could have asked for, because he's like, I can't do that. It terrifies me to be alone. Because whether these kids today have not been alone, because guess what? You may think you're in your room by yourself, but that phone's right there. So if you, when they start spending some time with themselves and they start feeling that like fear of like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Bam, let me get on the phone. Oh man, I can talk to someone. Someone's there. Now you're instantly connected to thousands of people. Instantly connected. Instantly. Straight away. And you said it best. Like, it scares me to be on my own. No kids would say that today, and they need to. Yep. They need to. Kids today do not know who they are and how to spend time with yourself and it's nothing against the kids. So let me make that clear. It's never a personal attack on the kid or the person. This is the society we live in today. The social media aspect and that has influenced our whole generation of kids. Perfect example, I fo- I'm a coach. So I follow kids that play this game and kids that play for me. But this is how it works. So, a kid's getting ready for season. I've seen this a million times, but I'll tell you this story. Kid's getting ready for season. Takes a picture with himself behind a glove like this. Glove over his face, hat on, getting ready for season. Hashtag all this stuff. Grinding. Grinding. Yeah, that word is... uh, Grinding. Grinding. Yeah. 400 likes on Instagram. Yet no work is being done. So it's like, if you put up the right picture, everyone's telling you, great, but you don't have to do the work.
1: Or guys will come in and hit off the tee. Oh, gosh. and, and they, they put started. a picture. they put a picture of their bat and their gloves on the ground and a tee, hashtag grinding, and it's like, dude, you were in the cage for 12 minutes.
0: <laughs> well, here's the other thing. <laughs> how are you getting better in the cage if your cell phone's in the cage? Oh, you can't. It's a distraction. How are you going to... Because gonna... you're not actually focused yeah. on hitting. You're not thinking about, okay, how do, what's going on inside here? I'm not focused on hitting. You're like, you know what? and then you bam you're distracted you're not figuring out
1: who you are how about this you know what you know what I used to do when I was a kid and thank god I grew up at the I still I grew up when kids didn't have cell phones I got a cell phone in high school Um, but I would go in the backyard and hit wiffle balls with my dad and you know what the beautiful thing about that was you get into that mindset and he starts saying all right Shiloh bases loaded just like every kid does like in the sandlot yeah. movies bases loaded this and that and and, and you use your imagination yes. the uh, the kids with the best imaginations have the most potential to, to be to be cuz there's no fear yeah well you know what i put myself in that i felt that fear a little bit with my dad there were times you know i got i remember being nervous getting sweaty hands in the backyard imagining oh man bait second third you know we're down by by one. What are you going to do, Shiloh? And of course, you know, you fell in the backyard. This and that. Well, you know what? The next time there's a game, and that 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 moment came up, that fear, been there. that fear didn't take me by surprise. It was like, yeah, I was still nervous and everything, but it was like, okay,
0: yeah, you it inspires you up in even that more. moment. Yeah. You train with the pressure. You put yourself in that moment. You do it, and that's the thing: being in the present moment. I feel like this is the toughest thing that we don't learn today because we are in a distracted era. Because we are so connected through technology that we, it's so hard for us to be in the present moment. And what I want to do with the strike zone and what I try to do every day, like Grant said, I try to put people in that moment. Like when you're on that 17 mile run the other day, there's points of that run. Nothing else in the world matters except you taking the next step.
1: Oh, yeah, I even told you. That's
0: yes. the yeah. present moment. That's you finding out who you are. Yeah. When Grant's six miles in, I'll never forget this, dude, because when you run that from my house and run that trail to here, the first six miles are straight uphill. Oh. Like you have that big climb out of there, then you get to the edge of Choke Cherry, then you have to take right. Well, this is in the middle of winter and there's a blizzard going on and the funny thing is dude i'll never forget this i'm waiting for bessie and i i knew right then it's either seven miles back to my house over or we as soon as we turn into Choke Cherry, there's no turning back so he's running down the hill dude i mean it is blizzarding like nothing else like i to the point where my mind's even telling me like we should go back like i'm even in that mode you know because i'm like feeling that fear too and i'll never get the funniest thing is an oil-filled truck pulling up, man, and going, are you guys all right? Because we're in the middle of the platter, in the middle of nowhere, and there's like five of us in a blizzard with some headlamps. And it's 4 a.m. And it's It's, 4 a.m. It's dark out. And I remember Bessie running down the hill, and I've done this to Grant so many times this year, but to teach him this lesson, is that when he's six miles in and he's getting rushed with those emotions of fear, he's not thinking about work, He's not thinking about his bills. He's not thinking about this. He's not thinking about that. It's all present moment. Skydiving. When you're on the edge of that plane, there is nothing else. When we're on the edge of the stratosphere, guess what? You're in the present moment. What about when we go mountain bike riding? When you launch off a rock or go off those cliffs, you ain't thinking about nothing else. I love the present moment, but we live in an era today where the present moment is very hard for people to stay in because we're always thinking elsewhere. We're always worried about something else, something this, something that. So every day, for me, I try to put myself in the present moment and put myself in situations where I have to find out who I am. Like the last week, man, I'm going to. I'm, I got my next hundred miler in six weeks. Huge amount of climbing. It terrifies me. But last week, I went out and did 13 miles out in the canyon by myself. While it's 95 with no water and I'm just out there. And halfway in, I even did a video with this, is like, this is where you have to live. How are you gonna get to the worst points and be comfortable there if you never put yourself there? How are you gonna do it? You can't. You have to put yourself in moments just like you said. Put yourself out there with your dad, sweating, doing that. And guess what, you just said it, you get into the game, Oh, man, i felt this before. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Guess what? Fear doesn't exist. But if you don't go out there and face it, it shows up at the worst moments. It's going to show up, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, game on the line. You, you're smiling because you've seen it. This happened this year. If you don't work hard and you don't do it the right way and work your butt off every single day, all right, you are going to get exposed at the wrong times. That's it. You can't go around the work or the commitment if you're going to do it that way. You, and this is the thing. You have to respect it. Like when I go out and run or do the 100 miles, it's not like me going in with an ego saying, Oh, yeah, I'm Adam. I can do this. No, I'm going in terrified that this thing is going to kill me. But you know what that respect does? It helps me train every day. It's having that respect for your opponent, the challenge, what you're going up against. I grew up in the ocean. The ocean taught me this as a kid. When I was surfing and body, you know, bodyboarding and all that stuff as a kid and grew up in the ocean since I was six, this is how the ocean works. If you fight the ocean, it kills you. You have to let go to what it is. You can't go in with an ego. So like when I used to go out and really big surf and you'd get pounded, you have to let go to the wave just annihilating you because you've got a whole ocean there. How are you as a little person going to fight the whole ocean? And that's why people drown. Because they get so panicky and they try to fight against what's really going on. It's like this friction. No, no, i got to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, you get exhausted and it kills you. You didn't respect it. You didn't respect it the way it needed to be. The same thing with big mountains. The same thing on those big runs. You have to respect it. If you go into a baseball game, you can't go in cocky saying, Oh, yeah, I got this. You have to respect your opponent. You know why? Because it keeps you sharp. If you go into a war and you're like, you know what, I got this, see you later. Bam, it's going to get you. Dead. You're dead. You know, you have to go into, it's the same thing when it comes to God. This is what I talk about all the time is that too many people today when it comes to God, they always talk about the positive. You know, it's always positive this, positive that. Well, that's okay. I understand that. But the fact is, there's a battle going on. And if you don't respect the enemy, you do not go into every day prepared. Why,
1: why, why do you think people are so afraid to talk about the devil, talk about that darkness? Exactly. Because it's it's easier it's to scary. talk about the cheery, happy side of it, right? Which is there, but you know what? The scary side of it doesn't get addressed enough. You got to understand that darkness.
0: Yes, and Absolutely. people run from that darkness, and then it breaks people, and you crumble when it shows up. Yep. It's a three little pig story, man. I tell this story every time we go to school, okay? You have to build a foundation to handle when life comes at you. So you take the three little pigs, man. What happens to the first little pig? Bad foundation. When the winds come in and the storms of life come in, if you've got a bad foundation, guess what happens? Boom, you crumble to the ground. Goes to pig number two bad foundation. Well, here comes a storm. You know what the storm is? You got released. Oh, your daughter has epilepsy. Your daughter had a stroke or your parent, whatever it is. There's so many bad things that happen to people. Well, here's another storm, bad foundation, crumbled to the ground. But then all of a sudden you run into these people. That is pig number three. Pig number three is they've built that foundation and they've faced that fear. And they've gone in and they've taken the failure and they're grinding and they pick themselves up every single day and they've built that solid foundation through failure. And then guess what? When the winds of life come, they stand strong. And they can handle it. You know, and that foundation is built like that. But that foundation will not be built unless you put yourself in circumstances every day that make you a new version of yourself. Oh, yeah. Whether it's playing the guitar, whether it's baseball, mountain biking, going for a run, starting a podcast, it's fear. We all deal with it in every single way. And it's like, are we living that edge every single day? It's funny. This is the, most, I heard this a couple of weeks ago. All right. Think about this. When are you truly tested and find out who you are? What do Would you, you say in the challenge? Yes. When your challenge is the only time, like when you're out there 17 miles in and everything's telling you to stop, that's when you truly find out who you are. Oh, absolutely. So would you agree yeah. that we get our best in the challenge?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Then why do we look for comfort every single day? Because it's comfortable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's it's funny that you're you're talking about the foundation and stuff and we had kind of talked about this with starting the podcast, like sometimes you just got to do it and stuff like that. And I think something that's huge with my generation, especially that we don't like spending time with ourselves. When you don't spend time with yourselves and you don't listen to that little voice inside of your head that's telling you like, go start a podcast or do something that you love and you run from that depression hits and suicide rates go up. And I think that's why everything's so high right now. So many kids are listening to the outside world they are listening to their parents to their followers on instagram and they're not listening to to what they want and i've had multiple conversations with you damien everybody about like what what i really want and this podcast was one of them and i was running from it and i was like i would show up Sundays and just people feel it you feel it all the time off me you feel the days that when i'm down i just i feel this like i'm an energy sucker shiloh talks about it too and <laughs> stuff like that like i suck the energy out of people because i'm so like not myself, and I think I think that's why the, for all the youth who are struggling with depression or, or, th- suicide and stuff like that, like spend time with yourself and and see what you want. If that's what you really want, then you gotta you gotta start you gotta start putting yourself in the in the struggles and know that the struggles are gonna be there. But when you overcome, to make you better. yeah, when you overcome those struggles, then. It's, it, it gets better it gets better from there but they're gonna be there no, nothing in this life is gonna come easy and I think that's something that we also think my generation thinks that like oh I can go do this and it's gonna be super easy I can get straight A's I can do this I can be good at video games but it's like no it takes practicing that stuff mastering your craft losing all the struggles and stuff builds the foundation that Adam's talking about and I think Well, I, I think, I think, think that's everyone
0: huge. sees the final product these days. You know, everyone sees Shiloh with his San Francisco hat on in the paper saying, Hey, San Francisco Giants, Shiloh McCall. No one has seen the four years of sacrifice the and the thousands of push-ups and the running and the workouts, and no one has seen what went in to make that no one, happen. No one and that's why everyone sees the final product. But listen, the failure is part of the game. Like, we have to start teaching these kids that failure is a necessary part for you to make your dreams come true. And then it's a long process, man. It's See, a marathon. And, and it's if, never going to end. Yeah,
1: we live in the an instant gratification oh, time. Dude. I mean, you you want something you can have it right now. You can order, oh how about this? You can freaking order Wendy's to your house nowadays. In Farmington, New Mexico, of course, this big cities if big city people are like, you dumb country folk. That's been there for years, but you know, we want something. Boom, we got it.
0: But we want, why, we, we, think it, we think it's making us happy. But oh, why no. are we living in a generation where depression rate is through the race, through the roof? Depression rate is through the roof. Obesity is at an eighty to ninety percent level. But we're creating all this comfort. But we think we're getting comfortable. But we're actually getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it's the best mind trick the enemy has done on all of us. I agree. It's like, let's make it easier, but we're actually getting worse. The numbers are what they are. Yep. Like, numbers speak. And I heard this the other day. Think about this. I said this to you on that run the other day. Do you know the average weight of an American male before the world wars? 130 to 150 pounds. my gosh. Think about that. The toughest generation that this country has pretty much ever had, one of them. And they're 130 to 150 pounds, just active, moving, doing that. All right, skip forward to 2019. Technologies here, doing this, doing that. What would be the average weight of a male today?
2: 210, 220.
0: Unbelievable. And I would love to go through the body fat percentages of what it would be today. Like, it's just the food. Like, we've made everything so fast and easy, but we're killing ourselves, making everything easier you know and it's just it never ends man it was like when Gracie had epilepsy every time we we'd go to the doctors they would just say okay if she had another seizure uh, we're just gonna up her meds oh we'll just up the meds we'll just keep up in the meds and it's like dude are you kidding me I don't like putting that stuff in my daughter mm-hmm. but every every answer you're saying is just up it let's just put it put up it up it up it and it's like come on man that ain't fixing nothing you're just masking it man covering, you're yeah. covering it You know, people may think, hey, I can go to Smith's over here and I can have my groceries delivered to the car. But the fact is, when you go home, you look yourself in the mirror, you know you're not getting after it. You know you're being lazy. And this is where people need to understand. Subconsciously, if you know you're not getting after it, you know. I don't care who you are. You know. You know. If I wake up in the morning and I'm not getting after it, I know and you know and you know and when I, feel, I know I don't like who I am yep. and I'm not a good person and I it's all like this I
1: feel tense I feel tense
0: you hate on people yeah. like it's funny man I go back years now and I laugh is because I would I'll admit this to anyone when I was in those modes of ego and back in the day trying to figure myself out it's like I always say this in some of our classes anyone that's not chasing their dreams will hate on other people. Mm -hmm. And I was that person. When I was in that mode, dude, I would sit around. How many times do we sit in this building and watch Rich Froning on the CrossFit Games and all these people doing these great things. Oh, these guys got to be on steroids. Yeah. Oh, no way. And we're just hating. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're hating. Oh. Not knowing that right then we're watching other people make their dreams come true. true. We're hating on them and we're not doing nothing. Yeah, as we're <laughs> crushing a large pizza, splitting <laughs> with a, with a, with oh, a with dude, half a, a gallon of chocolate right. milk too. Be, you a, know? It, but that was part of the journey. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not afraid to admit it. At that part of my life, I wasn't a good person at points. And I, I'm a good person deep down. I've always had that good side. But when I'm not living my best, you hate on others, man. Yep. You talk bad on people that are making you uncomfortable. Because when you see other people crushing it and you're not, it you makes know. you uncomfortable. You know, yeah. And you know. So guess what? To make yourself feel comfortable, what are you going to do? Hey, you're going to talk crap on that person. Or
1: to make yourself feel comfortable, you know what you're going to do? You're going to distract yourself with your phone. You're going to go watch other videos. You're going to go You're not and... going to face it. You're going to go put... No. My... You're not going to face go take, it. Here's what you'll do. Yeah. Oh, I'm not feeling comfortable, so let me go Photoshop this photo to make it seem like my yes. life is great. And see <laughs> yes. if I can get
0: 200 likes. Yep. And you're, you're not, not facing like, that, you're that, not fear fear that fear instead of is? saying, you know what? I suck right now. Yeah. I suck... I'm not getting after it. I need to get better. People won't say that to themselves. They will go run from that voice and go make every excuse in the world instead of facing that right there. And then come in and say, man, why do I feel down? Why do I have no energy? It's like, because you're not crushing it, man. Man, Why do you think think
1: right now is an all-time high for antidepressants? Yeah they're handing that out like candy because because people are depressed they're not moving they're
0: not around they're not they're not finding out who they are and they think something's wrong and then that's what that's where it goes man and it's like the number like I said before the numbers are what they are if you go through the numbers of depression rates obesity rates and all this they are through the charts you know and it's the world will beat you down and do everything it can to destroy you You know, like you even go back to the food we eat today. Like heart disease is the number one killer in America today. Heart disease didn't exist 115 years ago. But now you take mass production of food. It's just like the drugs. If you buy cocaine, you're going to cut it with something to get more. So it's like, okay, if you're producing food on a mass scale, you're going to cut it with stuff so you get more. So next thing you know, you're cutting it with plastics, you're cutting it with this, you're cutting it with that. And w- with us being comfortable, well, I want the burger right now. Mm-hmm. Drive down 20th Street, right here today, you will see 20 fast food places right there. And that's built for us to be successful? No, that is the world telling you, you know what? Look at this, here's a test, here's a test, here's this, yeah. here's that. And every time you get those hunger, you know what? You've got that shoved in your face. Yep. Why do you think there is no commercials about fasting? Because, <laughs> because think they about can't. that.
1: No, you can't. Think about that. Because there's no money to be made when you don't eat. No, look, you need to have yeah. three meals a day. Here's the food pyramid. Eat the three four meals backwards. Yeah, oh
0: yeah. Three meals a day. We grew up in an era where it's like, you're supposed to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you eat three meals a day, and this is how it is, and you're going to have your breads, and you're going to have this, this, this. Who says?
1: Yeah.
0: Who says that? Something was passed on, but someone has told you that's how it's supposed to be. Instead of finding out for yourself sometimes. Yeah. You know? And fasting, for me, changed my life and my thinking about food. I will never forget this moment when... I I got crushed in the hills and I began my running. And this was two to three years ago and I started fasting, intermittent fasting. So I remember I had a tournament in Las Vegas and I hadn't eaten the night before. So I had about a nine to 10 hour car ride. So I hadn't eaten for about 24 hours. So I'm pulling out of my driveway and stuff happened that morning and I didn't eat breakfast. So I'm like, you know what? Back then I was pretty psychotic on like testing my mental fortitude, like just in. Closed little spaces mm-hmm. So back then The way to test myself Is that I'll do Long car trips With by myself With no music And try to fast And stuff like that Just a challenge So anyway I hadn't eaten for 24 hours And I'm like You know what I'm going to get to Vegas I'm going to fast And I'm going to sit here I had my little Chevy HHR at the time oh, yeah. little bent, like Little car And I'm like I'm going to sit here In this car No food 10 hours No music Let's see what happens So Dude, the first two hours of that trip, you would have thought I was a heroin addict. If I was on the phone, I wasn't thinking about hunger. As soon as I got off the phone, and if someone called, I would just get so hungry. And I was programmed, man. I was like, I need to eat. I need to eat. Yeah. So I remember I was two to three hours in, man, and I get to a gas station, and I'm putting gas in the car. And I go into the gas station, dude, and I'm reaching for food. I'll never forget this. And I'm not even conscious of it. And I see my hand right in front of a bag of chips. (laughs) I'll never forget it. It's clear as day. And I'm like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? You can't go 24 hours without eating? And I was like, I pulled my hand down and I jumped back in the car. So I go along. About seven hours in, something changed. I went from being like hungry and like I need to eat to like... Man, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I got to Las Vegas, man, and this is where the light bulb went off for me. I got to Vegas and I ordered room service, but before room service got there, I was on a forty-eight hour fast. I was wrapping push-ups on the ground.
1: I'll tell you what. For those, of, yeah, and because I obviously um, I, I fast as well, but I get a focus too when I'm when I get over that hump of I don't know, like you said, twelve hours it's certain, like you a certain clean amount of time. The junk. Oh, it's like your body filters through that and then all of a sudden, I'm sure there's a scientific research on what you're actually running on, but I get this really clear laser focus. I'm not hungry. I have a ton of energy. I'm happy. It's really crazy. I don't know what so it think is. think about yeah.
0: this, dude. That's the feeling you get when you overcome the hunger. Yeah, when you It's like you overcome th- it. Yeah. But this is what they've done. This is how smart they are. When people get that feeling, it makes them eat. Mm-hmm. So guess what? They never find that power on the other side because they give in to that craving. Where it's like, hey, I'm hungry. I need to eat. I need to eat because I'm hungry. No, you don't have to give in to the hunger. But you have to fast to really learn that. Mm-hmm. And I never knew about fasting two years ago, but it helped me just get my body back to normal. And I've heard about you know Jesus talking about it and people have talked about the power of it. But there is. There is a power in it because you're giving... You're not giving in to those worldly cravings. Yeah. It's like you're saying, you know what? I'm doing this. And you're overcoming yourself internally. And I think when you do that, you get that energy. Yep. You know, it's like overcoming those obstacles, whether it's fasting or everything we've talked about today, you get that energy when you face that fear. And that's, I, I'll know, I tell that story all the time. I, it was like a light bulb moment for me where I'm like, how can I be doing push ups when I haven't eaten? But it's funny. Take this. Every time we're sick, what do we do? Lay in bed, don't eat, just drink water. So to heal ourselves, what does our body naturally do? We yeah. fast. Yep. You fast. You get rid of everything out of there, you fast, yeah. and the body heals yeah, when you itself. Have, when
1: you have the flu and you, and you eat any, any sort of solid food, what happens? It
0: comes right back right. up. Right. So how does the body nah. heal itself? It's when good you're good. in a fast. They say three days, if you do a 72-hour fast... Your whole immune system would be re- rebuilt in three days. That's like being sick. Well, you need Jake in here. I need to get Jake this, in here yeah. because he is oh like, he is the king of the fast. Ah. You know, but it's just a cool <laughs> thing to learn and experience. It's just another way to test yourself. But it's just, it gets back to everything we talked about today. The comfort, the facing your fears and facing the failures. And it doesn't matter what you are. It's every day we have these tests. Like, that's why I love the iron sharpens iron. Like, if you're going to test get tested like this all day, and I am, well, I'm, I want a team around me that can pick me up if I'm getting my butt kicked that yeah. day, yeah. you know? Not someone that's going to put your arm around you and say, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, no. let's go get some
1: food. Come yeah. on, man, we're going to be okay.
0: <laughs> it's okay, let's get a pizza and watch a game. Yeah. I had to laugh at a Goggins podcast one time because he says that. He's like, we don't want the people that are like, Calling us at 5 a.m. saying, Put your running shoes on. We're going for a 10 miler in the hills. We don't want those people. We want the people that put their arms around us and be like, Hey, man, it's a bit rainy outside. Let's order a pizza and watch the game. And telling us it's okay. And it's like, Gosh, man, you surround yourself with people like that. You just dig yourself that hole. You know, we need to, like, Grant touched on it before you surround yourself with people that make you uncomfortable. Because that's the only way, like we said, you, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. So last thing, man, let's get down. We've hit on everything today, but let's talk about your goals and what you're doing with your life now, man.
1: Well, last week, last week or two two weeks ago, I interviewed with the fire department, waiting to hear on that. Um, I wanna I want to help this community. Like I said earlier, it's – this community helped me and supported me a lot when i was playing baseball and through throughout everything so it's about time that i i give back and honestly this is something i learned through through the camps here at the strike zone and and whatnot you know i feel lightest i feel most at pieces when, when i'm helping other people um and and that's what i want to do for the longest time i I thought, oh, I to... it was so money driven, and of course everybody's there. And you and I have talked that. Oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to do this. What's going to be a million dollars? Yeah, I, I need to it's do this. About... It's not about it. Turn your I... focus from inward to outward, and and things, and, and things are going to take care of themselves, man.
0: Well, I read a thing in a book yesterday, man, and, and Jesus said this: true leadership is to serve. That's it. True leadership is to be there and serve others. It's never I. And gosh, man, I tell you what, being an ex baseball player, an entertainer, it's like the complete 180. Because when you're an egotistical athlete growing up, it's all about you. Baseball players
1: might have it the hardest baseball and golfers, honestly, because it's just it's all on them. Yep. Whether you're a pitcher by yourself or or you're in that batter's box. Yep. It's, it's such a selfish selfish game and, and you think the whole world's built on you you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean it's not about you. It, you it's it's about building your own tribe your own community and then extending that beyond other people you know you build it one one deed at a time helping out one person at a time and that's what's that's what you don't realize and that's what was cool about baseball I, I it was very selfish for seven months of the year. It was all about me going and, you know, playing this and that. But I come back here and I kind of got a, a good dose of reality by helping here. I mean, I was here every day during the offseason helping with camps and whatnot. And that really grounded me. And I didn't realize how important that was until after. Until after baseball when I was, you know, going to school or I had this other job and I'm not helping out as much. And I just, I, I, I hate this job. And I'm, what, what's wrong? Well, you're not giving back. This job is just yep. so you can go punch in the clock and, and gain your money. For you well. You what am emptied. I doing? Yeah. What am I doing to help people? No. You're you're not. You're you're helping yourself. Yeah. You know. And that's that's not what it's about. It no, really man.
0: isn't. It isn't, man. It's it, and it's cool today that we can sit here and have this conversation and just understand that fact. After it's all said and done, man, the failures, the good times, the all this. To sit here today and say, man, it's about serving others. It's about being a better person. Challenging yourself every day push yourself to be your best every single day and baseball and your business and Mountain biking running whatever it is that those are just outlets for you to find and put yourself in positions to find out who you are You know, but true relationships like we've we know this now true bonds all the other garbage doesn't matter like true bonds go through all the failures together Jake even understand this man and Morgan and all these people like it doesn't matter that you're not playing baseball. Like I don't think any less of you as a person that you're not a pro baseball player. Oh yeah. I don't look at and I don't look at Grant any different that he's not playing anymore. Like the game is just an outside thing. These bonds that we make inside the game and going to people's weddings, seeing their kids being raised, having conversations here, teaching kids doing that that's what it's truly about man it's not, it's not about the wins and you know think about this on a scale baseball i spent 10 years 15 years you know 12 years being a pro baseball player that's 12 years of my life it's not my life it was a good period it made me into this but i'm sitting here 38 and i really feel like life's just beginning for me yep. like it's a whole new mountain to climb it's a whole nother area and I just love that fact today, man, that I I can understand that today and I've got new goals, new visions to hit. And the goals and visions I have are just like making into the big leagues. You know, I have to get up every day. I've got to sacrifice. I love putting myself in positions where I'm nervous every day, where it's like, come in and to run as much as I do is like I had to sign up for the events. I always tell people in here, you have to sign up for the stuff. You can't just say, oh, I might do this and that. No, put yourself on the line Sign up for it and then see what happens after. Figure out the pieces after the fact. Like start the podcast and then whatever we have to learn, learn it as you go. Sign up for the 100 mile race. You might know how to do it right now, but I tell you what, that fear, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, But put yourself out there to find out who you are. And I just hope people and kids today that listen to this and people that are out there is that I really hope they just take to face that fear and put himself out there. Put himself out there and figure out the pieces after the fact. Have faith that God's going to lead you in the right direction and just go for it. Go for it, man. What do you got to lose? I just know one thing. What lasts forever is when you don't go for it. My biggest fear in life is to be laying on my deathbed and saying, I wish I had done more think about that for a second dude that's terrifying terrifying we live in this planet of unlimited opportunities and we sit there on our deathbed and we didn't we have all these dreams inside of us that like grant said there's this voice saying do a podcast do this do that doing that and you know what we do we don't bring them out so we're sitting on our deathbed with all these things inside of us that have been trying to get out to this world and they're sitting there saying you didn't unleash me and it's over think about this as well terrifying how many
1: things how many times have there been and oh man we we used to talk about this all the time I there are things in my life that that keep showing themselves that keep coming up in one way or another whether or not so there's some things it's literally a little voice in the back of my head that's popped up like that's how I decided I wanted to be a firefighter it was just like hey man what about this And then you push it aside no 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 why would i do that they don't make money um i can't do this i want money so i can have this dream and this and that and that and then you push it aside okay well it gets pushed aside a little bit and then what do you know fear a couple months later it it always pops up so what i'm trying to say is if if there's i don't know if it's your soul i think it's definitely god it's definitely what you're supposed to do you get that little nugget you get that little image well you know what go for it the worst that's going to happen is you fail and and you're right back where you started you're right back to where you were
0: however many months you ago when you had, yeah and you've but, taken a lesson yeah
1: oh yeah and the, the worst thing is oh maybe that wasn't for me but you know what I tried it yep. just like going up to Oregon that could you could say I was, I was running from from a lot of things but you know what I, I went I went up there for for a variety of reasons you know what but,
0: with the Oregon thing you made a choice yeah I didn't make it for you, your parents didn't make it for you. For the first time ever you said, you know what? And you might not understand it at the time, but you made a choice for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when you before you signed your professional contract, you were listening to advisors, you were listening to this, you were listening to this. So you could have based decisions off what others want. Yeah. But for the first time when you got released For the first time ever, you said, you know what? I'm going to Oregon. I need to find myself out. And you made the choice for yourself. And that's a powerful, powerful thing because just going to Oregon right when you finished playing, you finally made a choice to say, no, I need to do this for myself. And I can't say anything on that because that's your journey. Grant can't say anything on that because that's your journey. But you made that choice because you needed to go find out who you were at that moment of your life. You know, that's a powerful thing, man. Yeah. It's it's a powerful thing when you finally make a choice for yourself. It's not based off your parents. It's not based off your coaches. It's not based off this. And sometimes it's even after you get released. But finally you go, you know what? I need to do this for me. Yep. It's not for anyone else. Like how many times did we take the field in our career to make someone else happy with our performance? We search for that. We searched for that. We took the field, be like, people are gonna love me that I do well. You know. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about this. You go 0 for 4,
1: or 4 strikeouts. I never wanted to call my parents. I never wanted to talk to my friends. I didn't want to call you and talk about it because I thought, oh man, I, I had a bad game. They're gonna they're gonna talk down to me. They're gonna yep. think I'm a bad person. They're gonna think I... that's how that's how much of a of a plague of a mindset that that used to be. Yep. Based upon a number, how many hits we got. I mean, it's
0: just it's Because it's that's, how, that's what society told us to do. We're yeah. based off that. And baseball was our thing. We were based off batting average and performance. I'll
1: tell you what. You want know, to know how selfish baseball made me? There was one year I was struggling real bad. I forgot to call my mom on Mother's Day. I was so caught up in my own BS. How ridiculous is that? You know what I mean? The woman who freaking carried me in her womb, did everything. She's given so many sacrifices. I was so caught up in all my bullshit. I didn't call my own mom on Mother's Day. And I know that's, that scarred her. And she's even... You know, that is just... That was
0: just... I, that's, I'm that's i not proud of that. That was one of the worst things I've done, man. But you know what? When you're in those modes, that's what comes with that area. Yeah. Like, I've been in the same modes, dude. When you're in that cloud of darkness. When you're you know, in, that's, that's like what comes with that territory. Like... When you're so caught up on yourself, you're not thinking about anyone else. Yeah. You're like, I feel bad. I do this. You don't look at a perspective from others. You don't think about that. And it's like, yeah, it's just that's what comes with that territory, man. And it's that's just being real on it, dude. People don't want to think that that doesn't. But guess what? That does. And that's what comes with that, mm-hmm. man. Like, it's, it's, a, it's just part of the game, man. It's part of what some of the journeys are that people go through and stuff like that. And, you know, to sit here and be able to understand it today, though, is, you know, the fact is it might have happened back then, but your mom looking at you today and seeing that you came through that and having a good relationship and seeing that you're succeeding, I'm sure she understands where it comes from back then too, you know. And you got to think about this, man. The parents go through it just as much as us, you know, like people don't understand this. What's it like to be a parent of a kid trying to make it in pro ball? What's it like to walk around and everyone putting your kid up on a pedestal and doing that? And when you fail, they feel it. And it's like when you're out there and then you think everyone's put you up on this pedestal. So the parents are going through it. Then it's not there. She has to face the failure like your dad did and you did and all this. It's like a team you know but it's no one takes into consideration what the family goes through too when you you go through that stuff they all think it's you but you go through that stuff together as a team and there are good days and there's bad days and that's what comes with it you know but i know for a fact how proud your parents are of you and just what you accomplished and what you've done and i really think the whole experience of it all will really be a blessing in the end and i think your mother's relationship with you and your dad and just what's going to happen in your life will be way stronger from understanding that fact today and understanding what you went through is just part of that like you said that cloud man you know it was never you personally as a person it was just when you're in those dark stages man sometimes we make bad choices and we have to admit them like you know like sometimes we're terrible people back then yeah you know i was self i like i teach kids today and I think about how selfish I was sometimes as a player. And it was just, it, I, I can't believe it. I was, I, like if I could go back knowing what I know now, gosh, love to go back knowing what I know now. But I mean, that's everyone in life. How many people sit there saying, oh, well, I know this now. It would have been way different. But back then, I didn't know, man. We didn't know back then. It's like, it's, it, the biggest thing in life is not to get down on yourself for what you didn't know. Like, what you know today is not what you knew when you are going through that back then. So you you were a different person at that part of your journey. Now, if you're sitting here today still going through all that and you're still doing then that's different. But you can't get down on yourself. And I, I dealt with this, man. You can't get down on yourself when you didn't know back then. You didn't know. You didn't know what it was like in Pro Bowl. You didn't know what it was like to go over mm-hmm. 20 and stay in a hotel room. And have all this pressure and all that. Like, you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know when you're hitting 200 and you feel like your career's over. You're on the road. You're dealing with all that stuff and you're just in that mode. And you're drinking and like all that stuff, man. You just don't even know what's going on. But you just turn into a bad person, dude. Like, I used to treat my wife bad because I was over for 4. You know? This is the girl that's following me around and giving her life to me. And I'd be treating her bad because I didn't have a good game. Well, I tell you what, that's a quality husband. Yeah. All right, that's a quality husband. And but back then, that's who I was part of the journey. I'm glad God showed me those showed me those lessons, man, and I failed. Like the game was taken from me. And you know the story? You know the story, man. I told you that you were the first one I told in this town of what happened in my career and why when that choice came oh we were in the parking lot of strikes and I can tell you right where I was standing I remember that and I'm just going to say it man I'm going to finish this up today because a lot of people don't understand this and don't know this story and this is what I've had to live with every day since is that I got traded to Oakland for a major leaguer went straight to double A as a 20 year old kid now me at 20 I started drinking when I was 12. So you gonna understand Adam between 17, 16 and 17 to about 21, probably the wildest kid you've ever met in your entire life. Like I lived the rockstar lifestyle. I partied like no one had ever seen before. So I get traded to Oakland and first time over there, man, I was buying shots for everyone and just like, I'm underage, dude, and I have a fake ID. And I'm buying shots for everyone in the bar and the coaching staff is in there, you know? And I think about it today, I thought I was having fun with everyone, you know? But this was a great lesson for me, I, it wasn't. And my first impression and on that coach rubbed him the wrong way and he didn't like me. And I made, I, I look at it now, so anyway, a year later, I'm in AAA, he's my manager at the time. It's my second year on the roster. I made it all the way through spring training to last cuts. I'm second on the depth chart to Eric Chavez in the big leagues. So I'm the next guy in line and I'm in AAA, man. And I'm leading the PCL in hitting, hitting 360, raking, leading the league in hitting, okay? Chavez goes down and they called up, the big leagues called down. Who do you want to call up? They called up the backup shortstop that was hitting 180 at short at shortstop, hitting 180. And I think about that moment. That was my chance. And you know what messed me up is how I that coach I my first impression on that coach and drinking and living wild and doing that. When the call came down, he went to the other kid. So the next night, man, I'll never forget this. The next night, that kid is starting in third base at Fenway Park, and I never got a call after that again. He was up there for eight weeks, starting in Fenway, all that stuff, and I, after that, I never got the chance again. And the game was taken from me because of the choices I made When I got over there, just drinking, thinking I'm having a good time, man. And when the call came down, I never got that call again. And guys that I outplayed when I was playing, man. I still see playing today, and I outplayed these guys. And because of my screw-ups, I never got that chance. And I live with that every single day. That was one thing that was very hard for me. And people don't know this about me, man. Like, Do you know how hard it is? to understand that you lost your big league chance because you're an idiot off the field. Like you want to talk about like something like, gosh, dude, it really brings tears to my eyes thinking about it today. Like I screwed it up, you know? And I couldn't face it for that long. You know, like I laugh at kids today because I blame the coach. It was the coach's fault, man. He hated me, he did this. No, it was my fault. And I never faced it, man, until a long, long time after it. But it crushed me for a lot of years, man, because I know I had the talent to be a 20-year guy in the big leagues. And I pissed it away. And, dude, like that is a feeling that, gosh, i it's the most heartbreaking feeling to know that as a kid, you had that dream, you had everything. And drinking... Ruined it. Like... I was an alcoholic back then, man. Like, I was out of control. Like... I just couldn't handle myself. I was just crazy. I thought I was having a good time. And I did that. And... I never got the chance again, dude. I had one chance. One chance. And the one person that had everything on the line to make the call... I screwed it up with, man. And I never got that chance again. And gosh, I... think that's why when I coached you I was that hard on you because I think it was me dealing with well I screwed it up and I don't want you to screw it up and you have this opportunity don't waste it and I think I was so passionate about wanting to get you there but I think it was more me dealing with that like well I screwed it up and you've got to make it solo and You've got to do this. And it strained our relationship for a little bit because it was me dealing with the stuff. Because that opportunity was there. And I, I tell kids all the time, man, when preparation meets opportunity, great things happen. My opportunity came to the big leagues, and I wasn't prepared because I had sent the message through people's heads that I was a drunk. You know, and that's just the thing that I have peace with now. But that, that was a tough thing for me, man. It was really tough to think that, man, I, I, I didn't reach my dreams because of you know the stuff off the field. And gosh, I try every day now not to waste a day. You know. And people think I'm crazy for what I do and this and that. But when you go through situations like that, I don't want to waste another opportunity, man, because I did. You know, I, I I threw it all away. And I had a great career. You know, I did a lot of good things, but that I'll never forget, man. I, watching that guy play in Fenway Park because of an impression I made on a coach was probably the most devastating thing at that point in my life that I could have done. You know, and I, I don't think I ever got, like, got over it. You know, I, I got over it now, later on, and I've made peace with it, but I tell you what, man. For some years there, I didn't tell anyone. No one knew that story, you know. My wife did, but you know, I tried to put on a happy face in here and be like, "Hey, kids, this and that." But deep down, I was just like a wreck, you know, for making that stuff. And it's just, it was, it was a life-changing moment. And if I could, if I could go back, I, I would have done it way different, man, you know, and. That was a tough thing to live with after all these years, knowing that I could have had a you know a 10 to 20 year career, but because of some of the choices I made and did off the field, you know, when that opportunity came, they went to the other guy, and I try to teach that to all my kids today, man. Like when you go to college, when you do this, don't give the coach an opportunity to even think that you're not that kid. Mm-hmm like, just don't do it, man, like, give everything you got, give the coach everything to put you in the lineup, give it all, you know, and yeah, that was just, it was, it was, it was it was hard, man, that was definitely something in my life that was very hard to get over, and I'm just glad I could tell, you know, say it today, man, because it, it was, man, everyone thinks that you have this perfect career, man, it's like, I made some serious mistakes, and that's something I've had to come over as a person, and something i live with every day and i just try to transfer it over into you know something else but yeah that was definitely a point in my career i remember telling you about it early and just because i i used to deal with it think about when i told you back then why am i telling you because i was dealing with it yeah. dude. it was hurting No, yeah. it hurt me really bad I, was, I didn't know i was young too man I, I was like 16 or 17 yep and i told you back then because i knew where you were going and that was before you went into Pro Bowl and I wanted you to know before you went in there, don't waste an opportunity. Yeah. Because I did. Well my demon
1: wasn't wasn't drinking or partying partying or anything like that. It was self pity. Yep. You know, feeling sorry for myself because I was over twenty, because I hadn't gotten a hit because because this or that. How ridiculous does that sound? Yep self pity is is the reason and and I, I I remember the first time I I admitted that to you as well. It, it takes a lot to suck your ego un- uh, up enough to say, you know what? I felt sorry for myself. How and it makes me and nowadays it makes you feel uh, I don't want to say but it doesn't make me feel embarrassed, but it's just like, man, why 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 feel sorry for yourself it in that moment? Changes nothing.
0: Yeah. Like it changes nothing. I'll never forget the day I felt sorry for myself after my career ended. And I was sitting there on my couch eating nacho, like eating, I think salsa verde and queso. I used to crush those back in the day. When I'm sitting there, like 200 pounds, just like eating freaking salsa verde and nachos, and freaking just getting fat, hating on everything on my couch, just hating everyone. I can't believe this, and I'll never forget it, man. I was sitting there and I was just complaining. And this is why I love my wife, but God used my wife that day to like set me straight. So I'm sitting there in my recliner and I'm complaining. And she looked at me dead in the face and says, "You sound like a whiny little bitch right now." <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't coming from Joe. Oh, that was God yeah. slapping me in the face and saying, "Listen, Adam, no one's going to change your situation but yourself." Oh, bless her heart. And that was it. Like yeah. I was filled with self-pity. I needed a reason to know why I failed. And instead of saying, I, like I just told you, I failed because of Adam. I didn't fail because of the coach. I didn't fail because of my wife or my parents or anyone else. I failed because of me. But I did not say that. And I could not face the fear. This whole podcast like fear. Mm-hmm. The fear of saying, no, Adam, you screwed up. You shouldn't have done it. That's why you're not in the big leagues. Yeah, that happened. Mm -hmm. And I tried to act like it didn't happen. It was the coach's fault. It was this. But the day God said, no one's going to change your situation but yourself, my mind switched. Okay. And then guess what? I slowly didn't start to hate on people as much. My weight dropped. I wasn't eating salsa verde every day on Sundays all of a sudden. But it's funny. As I made myself better, I stopped hating on other people. So it's funny how that works. You know, you start facing yourself and all of a sudden you, you start not pointing fingers at yeah, others yeah. which is just in a you know it's a big mind switch just like that but that was that was a life changing moment for me when Joe Linda said that to me because it got me up off the couch and at that moment I knew that it was all on me again and it's like you know even though you did go through all this you still have the whole rest of your life to go create whatever you can create and you know what the first time I was in this town, I was released, didn't have my GED, didn't have a job, didn't have anything. The first two weeks in this town when I wasn't playing baseball, I made 20 bucks. In two weeks, 20 bucks on one lesson with a homeschool kid. And we sit here 12 years later today doing a podcast, and I own the, build, I own the company that's the same mentality that was making it to the big leagues and doing that but you know what it was me facing myself there's no way i would have made it where i am today in this business unless i went through that failure in baseball no way in the world it was god's gift to me to teach me how to get up every day and not waste a day and get after it and don't throw away any more opportunities That was his way to teach me. He took the game away from me. Everything I was, he took it away. I honestly believe today where I was, when God was going to call me, when that situation came up for me to go to the big leagues and I was on the verge, if I went to the big leagues right then, I would be dead today. I would have OD'd. I would have had all the money in the world and all the money into the world to a guy that's getting after it and partying is not a good combination. I would have killed myself. So guess what? He took it all away. He took it all away. And now I sit here today and I understand it. But back then I didn't, it was a real tough thing. But he had to take the game away from me because that's who I was. He had to reveal his face away from baseball. And I'm very grateful for that now and i really cherish my relationship with god today and because i i never used to be i hated christians i was on the other side man when you start drinking at 12 and you're freaking snorting lines at 17 and just going like that i hated christians i didn't want anything to do with them i thought they were weak you know and now i sit here today and i understand what god did for me and the relationship i have with jesus and man i was wrong Like, seriously wrong. You know, a true warrior is not a guy partying and living rough and being a bad boy and doing this. That's not a true warrior. A true warrior is a guy that gets up, faces himself every day, gives in to something bigger than yourself. That's the true test. The true test of a warrior is you get up and you are serving something bigger than yourself. When I played baseball, I served Adam. A true warrior is serving something bigger than yourself, which God ripping baseball away from me taught me that. It's not about the game, Adam. Like, this is bigger than you. It's about changing our youth. It's about the kid. Like Gavin Martin. You don't think Gavin Martin's life has changed forever for all those years you hit with him? You don't think all those years you hit with him when he was a sophomore and a junior and every hour you spent in here hitting, you don't think that influences his career today when he's in college? That's the power, man. Like, that's the power you had on Gav and everyone else, and that's what we do today, you know? But my whole thing from today, man, is like, I want people to know the failure is normal, and people go through tough stuff, and you're going to face it, and you just keep going, man. Well, and Take the next step. Yeah, and
1: we're, this podcast has started off as, you know, taking the next step af- after baseball for athletes. I think we, without a doubt, answered that for athletes, but I, I I think it's not just about athletes. I think it's it's about the person who just got laid off from their job, or is is is, is afraid, is not satisfied with their job, yep. and, and and wants something else, yep. and and is sick and tired of 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 that being unsatisfied in life. You just gotta take that step. We've answered that question over and over again in, in multiple ways in this yep. in this podcast, and that's that's what I think is. We call it the sickness. We've, we, there's a lot of words for it out there nowadays, but that is what we're trying to combat. That's one of the things that I know as being a part of the the strike zone, being you know, being one of the OGs back in the day. Go going away and getting that separation when I was in Oregon, when you and I didn't talk, and coming back. That's that's I can already see that's the path you're on. That's the path we are on. Grant, you too. You know. Damien, all the people who are a part of it, that is why we are in this community. We're here to do good. We are here to help. Yep. And 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 if if you're struggling out there, so are we. We're always struggling. Everybody's always struggling.
0: Yes. It's, call it's, call, it's, call yeah. each other. Yeah. Go for a mountain bike ride. You know, go for a run. Pick up your fellow community members, man, because I look at it like this. My son is five years old. I'm going to raise him in this town. What are we going to be doing here 20 years from now? How is this town in this area going to look 20 years from now? We're we going to be sitting here saying, Dude, this is the greatest area. Look what we did. Mm-hmm. Man, it's an outdoor. Like, outdoors are massive here. Baseball is booming. We're doing this. We're doing that. This town has just turned into this unbelievable thing because we've overcome some of the darkness in there because these people are here. And that's what I'm excited about, man. I'm excited to absolutely change this area and this town and the kids and the youth and do sof- something that has never been seen before around here. Like, I'm excited to do things that we never dreamed of around here. And let's go change it. You know, let's go do... Like, you, you got me into mountain biking and now, you know, we did the Road Apple Rally footage of some of our GoPro stuff. But hey, let's start promoting our area, our town. Let's get more people in here. Let's make it a great area for our youth. So this next generation has the best chance to succeed when we're gone. Mm-hmm. My whole goal and my whole vision is that when someone meets me or I go talk to a kid, is that you leaving some tools in the toolbox that can help them in the world we're facing today. That's it. I just want kids to have some tools, man. And it's like, are we leaving these kids with tools? Or, you know, you, you know it, man. You've coached these camps. How many times do you go into the camps and you start doing lessons or anything like that and you're there but you're not there you know it's like you're not in the present moment because you're more worried about stuff that's going on with you yeah you know instead of like having the vision no it's about this right now you know that's it that's a selfish you're caught up in
1: your own selfish reasons It's exactly what
0: we've been hitting on yeah without a doubt man well i tell you what man i could probably talk for another two hours (laughs) but we've got the redskins coming in the connie Macwell series going on but hey man thanks for coming in dude telling the stories man so many good stuff today i know we're gonna have you in again um but yeah thanks for coming in uh enjoyed speaking with you and i really uh just wish you the best and i know we're gonna do a lot of cool stuff still so yeah it's thanks you. for coming in man it's just
1: the beginning i'll tell you that yeah thanks for having me this is kick ass
0: all Thank right you. episode two in the book shayla mccall Join us on uh, episode three. We have a big one coming, episode three. Uh, But yeah, join us episode three for our next one. uh, Over and out.